confusion, chaos, and the lack of direction can lead to a whole lot of laughter, especially when, as a couple, you go through life together without the gift of sight. Join Clark and Carrie Roberts as they do life in tandem, the blind leading the blonde. Or is that the blonde leading the blind? Clark and Carrie invite you into real conversations about life, marriage, adversity, and executing your life's vision without being able to see your vision. Humor, dog stories, and insightful discussions with friends. Did we mention there'll be humor? So hit subscribe, pour yourself a cup of deliciousness, and tune in to Coffee Coffee with with Clark Clark and Carrie. Carrie. Coffee with Clark and Carrie. Carrie. I said that wrong. We, we have a word of practice. Okay, let's try that again. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Coffee, Coffee with, with Clark, Clark and Carrie. And we're supposed to do it together. See, this uh, is what we, we get out of practice. Okay, so, one more so, time. No, one no, more no, time. Let's go. Well, we're going to add Nick into it, too. So, hey, welcome to another episode of Coffee, Coffee with, with Clark, Clark and, and Carrie and, and Nick. <laughs> <laughs> we should have. We should have practiced that. Oh, you know, this is the fun thing about this. Um, I, you know, I think more than anything else, we just want to um, we want to welcome everybody back to our podcast. We've had a little bit of a break from season one, and we're heading into um, season two. Yes, we and are. That and it's, is exciting. Yes, we've we've had a lot of things going on and being busy, but it's time to be back and sharing with all of you, inviting all of our friends into another episode of Coffee with Clark and Carrie. Yes, and we want to right now make sure that, you know, as you saw that this podcast was getting ready to drop, make sure you hit that brew button on your coffee pot, or if you're having a LaCroix, which, Nick, <laughs> you got your LaCroix, yeah. you know, or maybe if you're having a glass of wine, wine, a beer, or an iced tea out on a beautiful summer day, um, wherever you are, you are Whatever you're doing. Us. Yep, we are loving that you're here. Thank you for joining us. So I'm going to let Clark um, take over and introduce Nick, because we have a, an incredibly awesome special friend that we have just met over the last four months yeah over the last over the last four months we had the opportunity to uh, spend some time in a in a leadership group on Fridays and uh, having some great conversation and everything and and there was this guy named Nick Anderson and he kind of intrigued me and just kind of everything about him and we said you know what we need to interview you and just kind of get to know you a little bit more and find out about you. And so we want to welcome everybody to our good friend, Mr. Nick Anderson. And Nick, if you could kind of just, you know, introduce yourself, tell us who you are, what you do, and all of that fun stuff, and we'll just get you started. Yeah, thanks, Clark. Thanks, Carrie. Um, boy, <laughs> where, where, where do I start with that? So how about I start with where I'm at and work backwards a little bit. Absolutely, go uh, for it. Today I am uh, launching a couple of new brands, one of which I call The Chosen Leader. Um, this is a, a brand that exists to support the development of leaders everywhere. And in particular, my focus is on working with middle managers in corporate America. So these are folks that run divisions or lead teams inside of companies uh, across the country and the reason that that's my target group of people is because I spent 25 years in middle management uh, in the banking industry in particular uh, retired from that career in February uh, without 
a real clear direction, but an open heart, an open mind, and um, a, a desire to to kind of follow the call that I, I really feel like God put on my heart. Um, so I wrote a book, and it's called Six Word Lessons for Middle Managers. Uh, a unique title. Uh, a lot of folks have asked, well, why why middle managers? Why not you know, some other some other audience? Um, and again, that's where I spent most of my career was in that middle management role um, as a branch manager or vice president or senior vice president of you know various banks. Right. Um, and yeah. are there are there places that they can go order your book? Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's available on Amazon. Okay. Uh, Six word lessons for middle managers. So I wrote this book uh, really because I wanted to share the lessons that I've learned. Um, and I, I'm writing it to a group of uh, a demographic. Google tells me that there's 11 million middle managers in America. Wow. Um, I think that number is low. I think there's more. Yeah, I was um, gonna say they, they, yeah, yeah, because there's always that missing the, the, the missing numbers that they don't see. Yeah. Right? That part of the or, metric. Yep. And and the funny thing is, middle manager has a really negative connotation, right? Um, if you if you think about. Uh, the, the stereotypical middle manager, when, when I imagine it in my mind, it's, um, you know, it's a heavy set man with a, uh, a mustache and a short sleeve button up shirt and a brown tie that doesn't quite make it to his belt, holding a briefcase going into, you know, and <laughs> thanks for the great visual, <laughs> but, but that's not what a middle manager is. It, you know, these are, these are folks that are, you know, really driven, really successful, uh, men and women, uh, in industries, uh, just across the spectrum, facing a unique set of challenges. They're responsible to a boss, to an executive. They're responsible to customers or clients. They're responsible for a team, um, and many of whom have families and other life. And you know, I've, right. I've lived, I've lived a lot of life, and and we can you know get into yeah. to some of yep. that. But yep. that's, yeah, wouldn't you say yeah. that you know middle managers, especially too, is like you know for for those of our listeners that are out there right now. I mean, it really does encompass. A much broader stroke than what than what we think just in corporate America. It's really those people are the bridge. They're mm-hmm. the bridge between those that they're working that they're that are working for them and those that they're working for in the upper management to really help create this platform that where you can share ideas and where you can take those ideas and have them distributed all the way up. Yeah. But they're they're generally speaking, they are like as you said, they're very driven, but they're also yeah. very open to new ideas. Yeah. from their people and their staff and they help to yeah. engage and encourage that to happen the successful ones are yes because they are the voice in two directions they're the voice right. of management to the team and the voice of the team to management yeah that's often the most challenging thing is you know i've, I've faced things in my career where um, management was making a poor decision and it was negatively affecting the team and i was caught in the middle right right um, and there are a few times when i um, knew that the right thing to do was to say to management, uh, you can't do this. And that was scary, right? It's vulnerable. It's putting myself at risk. Um, happy to say most, if not every one of those times, it worked out favorably. Right. It wasn't always smooth. Right. Didn't always right. feel good. Yep. Um, but we got there yeah. in the end. We and got there. there's a lot of things in life that... That go that same way. That go that same way. Yeah. yeah. Right. Which yeah. I think I think you're going to share a little bit more about that too. There's so <laughs> and you, you said you said you were launching two different two two new brands. Yeah. 
The, the other is uh, just so obscure, not connected to leadership or coaching <laughs> or any of that. Um, but I, I'm starting an RV rental business. Um, okay. Yeah. That is new from our last conversation. Yeah. So <laughs> I, um, I really enjoy hospitality. Like one of my favorite things is hosting parties. Okay. Um, wow. I have okay. A, I have a monthly card game uh, that I host at, at my home. And it's, um, the origins are, um, go back to 1963. So I worked with this, this banker named Joe and Joe started first Friday poker in 1963. First Friday poker. And I, I got invited to Joe's house, uh, what is probably 12 years ago now, 15 years ago to play, um, to play cards. And it was I don't even know what the word is. I mean, it was like, um, oh gosh, you just didn't miss first Friday poker, right? It it was priority. Right. Um, So it was, it was, it was set in stone on the calendar. First Friday, you're at Joe's house playing cards, having a great time. We start at 6 PM and Joe's wife, Mary Lee would make uh, coffee and dinner at about 11 PM. Um, (laughs) And we would play until 2 or 3 a.m. Oh, my goodness. Um, and as time went on and, you know, uh, fellas got sick and couldn't play or passed away. And the, the game kind of uh, just naturally went away. Um, but a friend of mine, Michael, uh, called me one day and he said, hey, do you think Joe would let us use his table? And I said, you know, I'll bet I'll bet if you asked him, he'd, he'd let us Be honored, have it. Probably honored yeah. to. You bet. You yeah. Bet. So we, we played a card. You know, we played a game. This was a couple of years ago and, and had the, uh, the idea, well, let's revive First Friday Poker. Uh, and so we did. And it, the, the most, uh, my heart's really tender right now thinking about Joe because uh, he actually came to my home to play uh, a couple, three times uh, before he passed on and went to heaven. But mm. uh, that, that is one of the most uh, special days of every month. And, and I make all the food, I make all, you know, I, and, and I go over the top and it's really fun. <laughs> so I love, love hosting, love hospitality. That's awesome. Um, I would, uh, it, I've got this vision, this dream of owning uh, multiple Airbnbs around the world. Um, you know, when I'm, when I'm all grown up, uh, but in the, in the meantime, in the, in the growing up process. Yeah. 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 In the yeah. meantime, RVs are a little more affordable, Okay, um, but Still, Airbnbs on wheels. They are. They are. They are. And they, yeah. they give me the opportunity to provide uh, vacation experience for families, for, for folks. And it's just, it's so, so fun. So I've got a partner in this um, and, and he and I are, are, are doing it. We've got, uh, got a couple right now and we're looking actually to add more to the fleet because they're all booked up all summer. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I think great. that, I think that one of the things and, and I'm, and I'm, guessing possibly, and I don't know this to be the fact, but um, coming out of these last two and a half years, mm. people have really redirected their intention and their focus and priorities to that family time yeah. and wanting to find a way to do it in a way that is affordable and together. Because yeah. your family time should not break the family budget because yeah. that ends up being a very negative thing versus just spending it's that time stress. together. It is a lot yeah. of stress. Yeah. Yeah. And but, I love that you want to create a platform for those moments to be captured in. Yeah, because that just that's just a heart. That's 
That's such a hard thing for and all of us. And few things bond a family like trapping them in an RV and rolling across the state or, you know. So true. Road trip. The, ro- fam- the family dog. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, kids. yeah. 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 The, all the different ages. That's right. Yeah. You know, right. and I'm, I'm sorry. It's like we, we had a houseboat growing up and it's like, you know, you got to go pump the biffy. Uh-huh. And it's like, and there's nothing yeah. like getting those kids out there going, okay, hook that baby up and oh, make yeah. sure it's tight. Yep. <laughs> yep. There is... Yeah, and oh, so yeah. so that's awesome. It's fun. Card it's games. Fun. It's like yeah. now if we can just get people to put technology away to get the card games back oh, out yeah. in the RVs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You that's... should have like some type of a signal jammer uh, in there. You know, there's there's uh, we we've got the best of both worlds because the we do have Wi-Fi capable. You know, you can watch your your YouTube and your Netflix if you're in a park or an RV, you know, location that has Wi-Fi. Yeah. Right. But a lot of the places that we end up going don't, nice. right? I, I love taking these up to um, the mountain and staying mm-hmm. overnight to ski. And mm. that's the, I use them more in the winter. Talk. Yeah. <laughs> you like skiing. I do like to ski. Yeah, I, yeah that's, that's I mean, awesome. I got started when I was nine years old, and I still do today. Not as often as I like to, but I still do it. It's all it's all fun. Might have to this winter. We might we might have to have some more conversations. I see. Yeah, yeah. That I was gonna say. Cool. I think I think Mick would make would, Skiing Mick would be a fantastic um, ski guide with you. Yeah. Tandem bike riding. And, yeah. 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 Lots of it. Lots, lots of, of things, adve- lots adventures, of memories, and yeah. all of that. So yeah. Yeah. So so going back to so you have these two things that you're doing now. Now yeah. I know that you know kind of from our past conversations and I'd love for you to share a little bit about where you are now compared to where you were Mm -hmm. and why it's so important to you to really bring that that family and opportunities and memories and faith all together and I'm going to have you jump right into that sure. and you go whatever pace you we're, want to no we, we go in the deep end i, yeah, we, I, I swim I in the deep well, end we like it's to good. clark calls it kicking people out of their comfort yeah. zone oh yeah you know? and so you'll we have, have a, a feeling that you live outside of the comfort zone you'll have a zone. hard time getting me outside out of a comfort zone um so just for for context right the uh the rv business probably takes up about five or ten percent of my life okay. got a partner in in it and he manages it day to day um so somewhere in the range of 50 to 75% of my life is focused on the chosen leader brand and the coaching and working with folks. And then um, somewhere in the 25% of my life um, area, it, this vocational, vocational life, um, is focused on um, working with men in particular in ministry work um, around deep, deep soul work. Mm. Um, and the reason I'm there, the reason I'm in that work, and, and that really kind of blends or bleeds into the, the chosen leader work, um, you know, because identifying uh, your, yourself, your story, uh, where you come from is, is important for leadership. But, uh, and I've, I've lived through some things. And you know, the, the biggest tragedy in my life was about six and a half years ago um, when my wife of almost 13 years and the mother of my two boys uh, was taken from us in a 
automobile accident. Mm. Mm. Um, and, you know, up until that point in my life, uh, I could say that things were very good. My yeah. career was exceptional. Um, Darlin uh, retired herself. You know, she was she was a full time uh, stay at home mom. What a beautiful uh, name! Yeah, Darlin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, she was a beautiful woman, and you know we had we had the stuff. You know, we had the the things. We mm-hmm. had the life. Mm-hmm. We. Um, you look from the outside and it, and it looked all good. There was one thing that was, I would say, um, very important that was, that was missing, that was off. Uh, and that is, uh, I wasn't ready. I wasn't prepared. Now, how do you get prepared to lose your spouse? Okay, that's what I was going to yeah. ask mm-hmm. is, yeah, yeah, right, okay. Uh, the first thing that I realized after Darlene's death, and uh, well, f- first I went into a very dark place. Mm-hmm. There was a, uh, a, a, a season which I told myself was going to be 30 days. You get 30 days of this, Nick, and no more. So you were, you were trying to control your grief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I was trying to limit... I was trying to give myself grace and space okay. to okay. go into this dark place, but with okay. limits. Yeah. And, okay. and that dark place, uh, candidly, uh, involved a lot of alcohol and a lot of food um, and just a, a reckless abandon. I was lost. Yeah. I was lost. Mm. You know, it, 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 was, it was this way. When I would introduce myself, and this, this was really kind of, you know, nearing the pinnacle of my banking career. And I was often in places of, uh, you know, representing a bank publicly. Um, I'd be on stage on a podium. I'd be, you know, and I'd introduce myself always as, uh, hi, I'm Nick. I'm a husband. I'm a father. And I'm a banker too. Yeah. Right? Well, from one day to the next, I didn't get to say that anymore. Right. Yeah. My identity identity. was totally gone. So at the end of this 30-day um, window that I had given myself, mm-hmm. there was this realization that on some level, I'm all that's left for my children. Mm. I'm the only one. Right. And I have to stay alive. That was the, the thing. So when I hear you say that, and, and, hun, and jump in if you wanted to ask a question... No. Okay. Keep going. I, I, I have I hear, a question, but okay. keep going. I hear you say that, and I guess the first thing that I think of, and, and possibly our listeners might be want to know, is was there a time in that darkness that you didn't want to stay alive? Uh, no, no, not then. Okay. Okay. Uh, later, there was. Okay. Um, so, or there was a question, um, but but here's here's where this is coming from. In, in that season of my life, I weighed 300 and something pounds, and I was not healthy. You don't look like you weigh that much now. I don't. I don't. Good, good observation, <laughs> Clark Roberts. 
<laughs> Seeing with your heart. You, you really got me with that one. <laughs> This is why we tell people that, that well he done. can see our friends, but he yeah. may not. He may not like. Well, he can hear our friends, but he may not see our friends. Yeah. And I'm like, dude. Okay. So, so since that day when you lost yeah. your wife, moving yeah. forward, mm-hmm. are there any days or periods that you get hit with what I call sneaker waves? Mm, I know. I know the reference. Um, yeah, yeah, and and triggers are things of nostalgia Mm. Um, uh, even just going into this place right now and thinking about them it's uh, it's visceral Um, it's a scent Mm -hmm. it's a place it's a song it's a word yeah it's your kids at times yeah so 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 when it when it took place and you said you went into this 30-day period Mm. how how did all of that or even moving forward after those 30 days affect your two boys um well there's there's a lot to that um I well, let's go back. Okay. Let's, let's go way, way back. Okay. Um, my paternal father, my birth father, mm-hmm. uh, was was both mentally ill and chemically dependent. Mm. He suffered from a, a bipolar. Um, okay disorder and um, use drugs um, so my mom kicked him out when I was four uh, he was a weekend dad and you know we, we hung out sometimes uh, I mean regularly but it was you know it was, right, it was, right. Um, but he he ended his life when I was 10 and so we were, I mean, he was, he was my dad, right? And we were yeah. close. Yeah. And I, um, so I learned through grieving, death, and loss uh, firsthand. Um, and, you know, there's, there's a lot connected to that. But as it relates to your question, Clark, uh, on some level, I thought, well, who better to to lead my children through this experience than me because I've been there before. Uh, and so I think a lot of that was right and accurate. Um, but I said early and, and I, it was that I, I wasn't ready. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And how can you be, but I think, you know, you can be on some level, but I wasn't ready. Um, so there were a lot of mistakes that I made a lot of mistakes that I made um, as a parent as a as a leader in the family for my boys and so when you ask how how did it affect them um, there's a lot I, of different layers of that yeah there. and what I can say very confidently securely and, and happily is that today in this season of our life which is you know a, a couple of years for the last couple of years we've grown much closer um, I've dealt with my 
stuff, again, connected into the soul right. work, um, which has allowed me to be present for them um, and create a safe space for them to, you know, to be boys and, and soon to be young men. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I go back to this notion of being ready, uh, this, this, is, this is really present in, in my coaching work too, is, is um, I've put myself in a position to do hard things. And, you know, joke a little bit. A lot of that has to do with physical stuff, right? right? Like, um, but it, it's just as much mental and emotional as anything. I know mm-hmm. that if I can push myself through things that are difficult, if I can go to that scary place, uh, although, to be honest, I don't know that I could close my eyes and ski down a mountain. So, uh, wait, we might give you that opportunity one day. I, like, like I'm, <laughs> we, I'm not, we, but I won't guide. We, yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, and we, I was gonna say, we do know some really good guides yeah. that we could actually do. And I, I think actually, Nick, I think actually that's a good challenge for you because I, I do too. I think that our good friend Mark, who yeah. has been skiing with Clark for years, I think Mark would be all in because he's yeah. an adventure and a risk taker. And I always say, you guys go have fun. I don't ever worry about them being safe. I worry about them just having fun and getting back. And if bruises and bangs come back with them, that's okay. As long as they had a good time, had good memories, yeah. and just and and, and we went bring, out and lived life. And we bring back pictures. And, yeah. and maybe take a couple <laughs> pictures. I do request that. That's but good. I think I think I could see you doing that because I was I wanted to ask you, in the physical sense, you know, mm-hmm. is there a reason why you push yourself so hard? Yeah. And yeah, so so I want because I think there's a deeper reason that some people want or need to feel that pain mm. of, of physical pain but accomplishment at the same time and I'm just I wondering if there's something that that's, is there deeper that's not it for me okay. although I do I do hear you so it's it's not a like self-masochistic self-punishment kind of thing yeah and I didn't um, necessarily mean no, that it's fine. It's, fine. It's, a, it's a fair question <laughs> yeah, really yeah um it, it is the combination of two things. One is um, I, I have to stay alive, right. which means I, I have to be in the best physical shape I can be, not only to be alive, but to also protect my children. Mm-hmm. We, we went uh, whitewater rafting in Colorado, and it, my, you know, Christian Finn and I, and there was this couple from Texas, and the man and a woman, and then our guy. So it was the six of us in the boat. And this man was six foot four, you know, probably 220 pounds, like a, a big, you know, yes. frame. big looking dude. Yeah. Um, and so the guide looks at me and he looks at him. And he goes, OK, I'm going to need you guys up front because, you know, this. And, and the Texas man was like, nope, not me, not me. I'm not going to do it. OK, so Christian, you're up, you know, and at the time he's uh, he was 15. I was just yeah. going to say how old. OK, yeah. OK. Um, so as we're going down the river, uh, we get through some rapids and both uh, the, the woman uh, from Texas and Christian are tossed out of the boat. Well, I got Christian back in, but this man could not get his wife back in the boat. He, he was incapable of getting her in. So I stood up from the other side of the boat and, and got her in. And then we hit another rap because it was getting very dangerous. She was kind of pinned okay. to the side of the boat. We were going towards a rock. It was not. It was. Was this a class four or class five? Oh gosh, no! I, 
or just maybe three three that maybe just three. had some pretty yeah. wicked yeah i mean it was, it was yeah. enough to yeah, yeah. To, enough, yeah. enough to give you some thrills yeah so i i stood up <laughs> i got her in yeah. and then we hit a rapid and i got ejected like the the guide said that i went like superman over the length of the boat um and i thought it was so much fun we were finding paddles and things down the river for a, for a long time but but it's it's that you know i i just like i said i'm i'm the only one i'm not really the only one in their life but I, i'm the only one yeah. well yeah and, and you're their dad yeah you're their parent uh, yeah. so with with oh. all of that the the upbringing from age four and, and all of that is that some or a lot of the drive that is now pushed you into the men's leadership men's mm. ministry because you're wanting to assist men to be equipped to have the tools to interact with their life their children their 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 work and, and all of that so before you answer that, see, I do these visual, these I do these little visual cues, honey, that you don't get to see, but or, but Nick does. <laughs> Anybody else is here. When you said when you when you spoke the words, being able to get like he couldn't get his wife back in the boat, mm-hmm. I immediately got chills because I think about remembering in the storms oh, of yeah. life, who's in your boat? So yeah. Jesus is in the boat with you, and that just gave me this incredible vision of we are to prepare ourselves in life so that not only do we know who's in the boat, but that we're able to reach out and bring others in with us. Mm. Right. Mm. And if we don't have the strength, the determination, the, the, the guidance, the knowledge to do that, yeah, we can get tossed out yeah, and not be able to get back in. Yeah. Boy. So it's just kind of, it just, it just brought this whole picture into my mind of that. So I want to I want to build on that, and then Clark, I'm definitely going to answer your question. Okay. But you're you're reminding me of a play on a word that I love, okay. and it's the word responsible. Mm-hmm. So I think of, you know, the responsibility of leadership. I think of the responsibility of being a father, and then I think of the word responsible as two words: it's response and it's able. And in, in my season of darkness, I was unable to respond in a healthy way to life. Mm, wow. wow. So to answer your question, Clark, there is a calling and a drive to help men in their ability to be able to respond to things in a way that is healthy. Mm. Why do I do that? It is primarily, first and foremost, self-serving. I, I do this work helping others to help myself. And there is a, a, a fear that I have. I'm afraid that my life, the things that I have lived through, if I don't share my story if I don't use that to help others, that my life will be in vain. That's a fear. It's a fear of, uh, you know, 
significance or lack of significance or importance or having a position or, you know, just being of value in the world. And that, the, the roots of those fears are connected to my father's suicide. As a 10-year-old boy, I wondered, I asked myself the question, why wasn't I enough for yep. him to choose yep. life? And that, that message lives in, lived in my shadow for mm -hmm. decades. As in, it was there, but I wanted to hide it from the world. And it showed up in the light of my life, which was I was driven. I was ambitious. I was always wanted, underlying needed, to be number one. I always had to be the best. I always had to have the attention of the people that I cared for because the moment I lost their attention, I feared I would lose them. What about the approval? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So, so we're coming up, well, we're coming up on, on 30, I know we're going to, so we're, we're going to, um, we are really incredibly excited. First of all, again, thank you to all of our listeners. Absolutely. Because I think that there are nuggets in this that everybody's going to be able to take away for different parts of their life. And and there's just there, there's this paint stroke that is happening that is painting this beautiful picture of life hmm. and how we are able to live that life how we can be responsible in living that life and how we get to choose right how we go through the different adversities that we have and i think that's one of the things that that clark and i have really been trying to focus on in these last six months is is really taking that message that we have for sharing that gift of kindness to expanding it to how to live and lead through adversity yeah. and the importance of that because that truly is something that everybody and so much of everything that you're talking about does that. Oh, absolutely. And so for our listeners, if you have questions and such, I mean, please feel free to reach out and um, Nick is going to give us the information. We'll have it on the podcast too mm. so you'll be able to check that out underneath. We're going to be doing some additional episodes with Nick and um, if you had a couple of things that you would want to say to our listeners or to say to, if there was something that you significantly just wanted to speak like right now, mm. what would that be? Yeah. The, the, the thing that's been on my heart recently is we'll say it's a series of three ideas. And, and one of them is the premise to my work with the chosen leader. And it's, it, it's the, the belief that um, leadership only occurs the moment one person chooses to follow another. John Maxwell said, if you're, if you're leading but nobody's following, well, you're just taking a walk. Right. So leadership occurs when one person chooses to follow another. Thought one. Thought two is you don't necessarily know when you're going to be chosen as the leader. Like we all follow people that have no clue that they're influencing our life. Right. Um, mm. And... And, and you don't know when that call for leadership is going to come or the adversity that you're going to face that you have to lead through. Mm -hmm. So leadership occurs when someone chooses to follow another. We don't know when leadership opportunities are going to surface. And so thought number three is we've got to get ready. And getting mm -hmm. ready to lead is it is no more complex than just getting yourself secure 
and grounded and knowing yourself, um, testing where your limits are, knowing your capabilities, uh, getting prepared for vulnerability, mm -hmm. getting prepared for human connection, getting prepared. So, so in that series of three, it's that, that leadership occurs when one person chooses to follow another. Number two is we don't know when it's going to be our time to lead. Yeah. And number three is, so we better be ready. Absolutely. Wow. As, I, as, I'm, as I'm listing all of that, I keep coming back to the Boy Scout motto of be prepared. Yeah. Be prepared because you prepared. never know when you're going to need something or you're going to need this information or you're going to need whatever it is. So be prepared. That's and right. also I come back to, to our wonderful, you know, the little tagline that I, I like to leave everybody with is the fact that Life is a gift. Mm. Unwrap it. Mm -hmm. Cherish it. And share it. Wherever you go, whatever you do, and whoever you're with, be ready. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I want to thank you, Nick, for, for being here and for truly just inspiring us hmm. and um, and we have been incredibly blessed over these last few weeks months to have gotten to know you Absolutely. and we look forward to getting to know you better and to kind of continuing this journey with you yeah. and seeing what happens because um, because it is like going down a river in a raft <laughs> <laughs> yes it is right? it's like it's like I want you in my boat because if I go out my husband's not going to see me <laughs> just saying <laughs> So, wow, okay, did I just get thrown into the river? <laughs> I'll no, get you out. I'm, there's no way it's I'm letting good. you go. So yeah. I just want to thank everybody for joining us today. I want to thank yeah. Nick for, for joining us. Um, we have so enjoyed this. I can't wait to go into episode two and um, three, four, five, however many <laughs> it's going to take. And, um, and I just want to thank all of our listeners Absolutely. for joining us. And I hope that you have really been encouraged by this and taken some, taken some nuggets that you can use in your life, not only using it for yourself, to, to prepare yourself, but also using it in the lives of those around you to help them to prepare so that they can be able to live yeah. their life through the different adversities, um, the highs, the lows, and, and all of that. And so this has been Coffee with Clark, Clark and Carrie. You didn't do it again. This has been <laughs> Coffee, Coffee with, with Clark, Clark and, and Carrie and, and Nick. <laughs> there we go. So, okay, all everybody. Right. Hey, hey, thanks for have a great day. Have a great day. Thank and you. we will see you again very soon. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions or comments, please be sure to ask. Don't forget to like, share, or subscribe so that you do not miss one episode of Coffee with Clark and Carrie.